such a blessing to have so many talented uh, musicians here in our church. And music is a powerful tool uh, to teach truth and to encourage the heart. And no doubt that's what uh, David uh, did with so many psalms that he wrote, uh, one of which is what we're going to look at today, Psalm 27. Psalm 27, be strong in the Lord. And we've already mentioned today and well aware of the fact it's uh, daylight savings time. We moved our clocks forward one hour last night, and, and many people uh, enjoy that or are excited about that. Some not so much, but others are, are grateful for the time change. Uh, there's some benefits of having an extra hour of daylight at the end of the day. Uh, it helps us to see better. For those who don't like driving at night, uh, it makes it a little more convenient to get out and about uh, and, to, uh, and to travel in the evenings. Uh, we also have a, a sense of, of being more secure in the daylight. Uh, you can see better your surroundings and what's going on around you. Uh, maybe not so, uh, not so scary to be out and about uh, and wondering uh, what others may be up to in the dark. Uh, so you can see and there's security uh, in the extra daylight. It also reminds us it's a sign that spring is here and that summer is coming and that the, the warmer temperatures are on the way and it, it, it inspires us perhaps with a little bit of hope to have a little bit of extra daylight uh, at the end of the day to know that the, the seasons are coming and that we're moving out of a time of cold and a time of dreariness into a, a season of warmth and a season of light. And so with all those things in mind about the benefits of extra light, we look at Psalm 27. In the very beginning of the psalm, we see this declaration that the Lord is my light. He is my light. And, and thinking of the benefits of light and the blessings of light, that, that statement, it really sets the tone for the remainder of this psalm that is before us. And if we can sum it up into one statement, it would be this. Enter into a covenant relationship with God and face all your struggles with confidence. The struggles we face and that we endure are, are real. But if you would enter into this covenant relationship with God, we have these blessings that are given to us, one of which is confidence that we can face the struggles of life uh, with the Lord's assurance. So I want to invite you to stand with me if you're able this morning. Psalm 27. These words were written by David under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, beginning at verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war rise against me, in spite of this I shall be confident. One thing I have asked from the Lord, that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in His temple. For in the day of trouble He will conceal me in His tabernacle, in the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock. And now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, and be gracious to me and answer me. When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, O Lord, I shall seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not abandon me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. 
For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a level path because of my foes. Do not deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we have come together today and we have joined our voices in song to you. We have joined our hearts together in in prayer and in praise. And Father, we have joined together at this time in the opening of the Scriptures. God, this is your word. You speak to us through the written word. And I pray, Lord, our minds would be open to receive. Our hearts would be open also, God, that we might be transformed. Father, as we seek you and seek your face, may we find confidence in all the struggles we face in this life. Lord, that we would be strong in you because of who you are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So we come to Psalm 27 today in our study through these passages of Scripture. We come to what is categorized as a psalm of confidence. And as we read the words of this, it's obvious that uh, the tone and the content are what lead us to this designation, a psalm of confidence. These are psalms that express trust in God's goodness and in God's power. In all seasons of life, we can be confident. This was, as we see, a a psalm of David. David wrote this. We don't know the the setting and the context in which he wrote this psalm, but we see in throughout the, the, the verses of this psalm an emphasis on the name of the Lord. We see the Lord in, in all caps, the covenant name of God, the God, the name that God revealed to Israel as He entered into this arrangement, this this binding agreement with Israel that was based upon His faithfulness and His trustworthiness. As God entered into this strong covenant with Israel, He revealed Himself through this covenant name. And in the 14 verses of this psalm, the name Lord appears 12 times. And so by reason of repetition, we see emphasis here of being in this covenant relationship with God, the God of the Bible, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We see the benefits, the the blessings of this, one of which is, first of all, we can find confidence in God. Confidence, regardless of the circumstances you face, We can find confidence in God. He begins in verse 1 by saying, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. And so we see here this this threefold emphasis here on on a relationship with God. David is saying he's my light. He's my salvation. The defense of my life. Not just a light, not just a salvation or a defense, but mine. David has entered into this relationship with God and receives these benefits. He is my light and my salvation. I like the way uh, that the order appears there. Light and then salvation. Illumination being necessary. If we're going to find the path to God and find the path to salvation, 
it requires light because we are in the darkness of sin, but God has shown Himself. God is not just a light or the source of light. He is my light. God Himself is my salvation. I'm not entering into a religion or entering into a philosophy. I'm entering into a relationship with God. He is light. He Himself is my salvation. If I'm going to have to find salvation, I'm going to have to have God Himself. Without God, there is no salvation. He is, first of all, a, a saving deliverer. A saving deliverer. If He is my light and my salvation, He saves me. He delivers me. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? I, I don't need to fear or worry or dread the situations of life because God is on my side. Paul says in Romans, if God is for us, who can be against us? And the answer is no one. If you've got God on your side, you don't need to worry. You don't need to fear. You don't need to dread because God has got you. He is my saving deliverer. He is a strong destroyer. A destroyer. Verse 2 speaks about the reality of adversaries in our lives. As God's people, we're not exempt from tribulation. We're not exempt from the battle. He says, David says, when evildoers came upon me and my adversaries and my enemies, and he likens them to savage animals. He says, they came to devour my flesh. Now, when we think about enemies in our lives, sometimes there are individuals that seek to make our lives difficult. Sometimes we face uh, individuals who want to, to ruin and, and to wreck our lives. And, and surely that was the case with David. We read the story of his life. There were many individuals in David's life that sought to do him harm. But also we know this reality that, that we as Christians, we as believers, we, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, do we? We face the forces of evil and the forces of darkness. We face an enemy in Satan who, who himself is, is, is called the adversary and the accuser of the brethren. We face an enemy who hates us and longs to destroy us. In fact, Peter says that, that Satan is a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, to devour. And that's what he says here in verse 2. Evildoers came to devour my flesh. I'm, I have an enemy who hates me and he longs to destroy me, but the reality is this. My adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and they fell. They failed in their attempt to destroy me and to devour me. Why? Because God is my defense. God is the one who destroys the forces of evil. And we see that played out through the cross of Jesus Christ. Our adversaries sought to, to drag us down to hell. But Christ came and destroyed the forces of evil, destroyed death by death, so that we might be confident in Him. He is a strong destroyer. He is a sure defender. He says, though a host encamp against me, a host, a, a mighty and a numerous army, our enemy is fierce and savage, and he is numerous, the forces of wickedness. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war rise against me, and we are in the midst of war. There is a spiritual war that is raging, that is raging all around us. And every moment of every day we are tempted and we are tried and when, when difficulties of life come upon us, 
We are tempted to despair and to fear and to dread, but he says that the Lord is my defense. I, I will not fear. In spite of this, not, not because these things are absent, I'm confident. These things are here, and in spite of it, I am confident in myself. No. I'm confident in my light, in my salvation, and the defense of my life. I am confident in the Lord because of who He is. By the way, David is speaking past tense here. The evildoers came. They stumbled and they fell already. God is taking care of this. We can be assured and rest assured of victory because of the cross. God is my light. My light. Perhaps in your house you use night lights in the evening. Maybe you use night lights to help you see if you've got animals you danger of stumbling or if you've got kids typically there's toys or shoes or clothing strewn around and uh, at least it is in my house sometimes sometimes but uh, sometimes you have night lights to help you see and sometimes you may have night lights because you're scared of the dark fear of the dark now we as humans sometimes we have different phobias we fear different things the thing we ought to fear the most is our soul's salvation Fear the fact that there is a God who is holy and a God who is just and a God who must punish sin and a God who will judge sin. And that should stir our hearts. It should trouble our hearts. We should fear. That should be the thing we fear most of all, our our souls being cast into hell for all eternity, which is a real threat. Without the light, the New Testament says that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. He has come to shed light on the pathway. He has come to free us and to save us. We need not fear darkness nor damnation because He is my light and He is my salvation. If you enter into that covenant relationship with Christ by faith, He will be your light. He will be your salvation and you need not fear the enemy. You need not fear the judgment. You are secure in Christ. Find confidence in God. Secondly, find communion with God. Communion, the, the blessings of a personal relationship with God, fellowship with God, being able to, to be in the presence of God. Even though we are sinners, God invites us into His presence if we come to Him on His terms by faith in Christ. Find communion with God. What does that look like? First of all, dwelling with the Lord. Verse 4, one thing. I have asked. If you, to, to boil down all of your requests to God, and we are told in scriptures to make our requests known to God, if you were to boil everything that you want and you desire from God, boil it down to one solitary thing, a singular focus, what would that be? David says here is the one thing. If I could have anything from God, the one thing I would seek. I would seek. Not in the sense of something being found or lost, we have an Easter egg hunt here in a few weeks. We're going to be seeking eggs. It's not referring to something that's lost. You're trying to find it. It's something that you are chasing. I am seeking. As Roscoe Pico train would say, I'm in hot pursuits. The one thing, if there's one thing I'm in hot pursuit of, what might that be? The one thing I've asked in the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all my days. He is seeking the presence of God. And the reality of these, these enemies, these adversaries, these troubles, these situations of life, I just want to seek God. 
I want to be in His presence. I want to be in His house. If you're in God's house, you're under His provision and His protection. And He says to behold the beauty of the Lord. You want to seek, you want to pursue the, the, the beauty of His place and the beauty of His face. So one thing I ask of you and one thing I seek. I can dwell in your house and be safe, provided for, and I can just see your beauty and I can meditate. And I can just think of and, and ponder and enjoy the presence of your temple. The dwelling with the Lord seeing His face and also depending on the Lord. Communion with God means you're depending on the Lord. Verse 5, he says, for in the day of trouble, there, there's a connection there. I, I, one thing I ask is to, is to dwell in God's house, behold His beauty, meditate in His temple, because for in the day of trouble, the days of trouble come, don't they? The day of trouble perhaps a cancer diagnosis or finding out you're being laid off at work or maybe finding out somebody you had trust in had betrayed your trust. The day of trouble. We, we face days of trouble. None of us are exempt. David was not exempt. He was a man after God's own heart and he faced troubles and trials one right after the other. The day of trouble is real, folks. But the greatest day of trouble is the day of judgment we've just spoken of a while ago. The day when Christ returns and He judges this world for its sin and its rebellion. The day of trouble. He says, I want to be in God's house because the day of trouble will come. And when that day of trouble will come, whatever that may look like, ultimately the spiritual day of the Lord, the day of judgment, when that day comes, He will conceal me in His tabernacle, in the secret place of His tent. He will hide me. I will, be, I will be sheltered by God. You know, with the seasons changing, tornado season's coming. And when tornado season comes, we sometimes have to go through tornado drills. They do it at school and sometimes in places of employment. Tornado drills because we need to know in the day of trouble where we can flee to. Where is the safest place that I can be in the midst of the storm? And he says, in the day of trouble, I want to be in God's house. Because if I'm in God's house, I will be sheltered. He will conceal me. He will hide me. He will lift me up on the rock. In the day of judgment, I want to be underneath the protection of God Himself, beholding His beauty and not His wrath. That's the one thing I seek. I want to depend on the Lord because you see in this, it is God concealing. It is God hiding. It is God lifting up. I can't do these things. I need God to do this for me. It's a humble dependence and a recognition. That's what communion with God's all about. I need you, Lord. I need you every hour. I need you. You're my one defense. You're my righteousness. Depending on the Lord. We need Him. But it's also delighting in the Lord. Verse 6, he says, And now my head will be lifted up. That's hope. Inspiring hope. God, God will raise my countenance. My head will be lifted up. I won't lift it up. God lifts it up for me. My head will be lifted up above my enemies around me. And I will offer in His tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. There's a sense of gratitude a sense of, of joyfulness, a sense of satisfaction. I'm in God's house. I'm under God's care. 
I don't need to fear anything. I don't even need to fear the judgment of sin. I'm delighting in God. I'm not seeing a relationship with God as a burden or or regulations. I've I've just got to be good. I've got to be good. No, I've got to trust the one who is good. I've got to be covered in His goodness. And I delight myself in you. Being overwhelmed, as the song says. My head will be lifted up. I will offer in His tent sacrifices, that, that service is giving back to God. God, I want to give you back because you have given to me. I will sing. Yes, I will sing. It's repetition. Emphatic. I will sing. I will sing praises. To who? To the Lord. I am directing my praises to the one who is worthy, to the one who has saved me, to the one who is my light and my salvation. I am giving back to Him because He has given so much for me. He has sent His Son to die on the cross for me. And therefore I am going to sacrifice, I am going to sing praises, and I am going to direct it to Him and to Him alone. He is the one who is worthy, delighting in God. A, a deep desire to worship Him, not just with my lips, but with my life. God, I want to delight myself in You. I want to shout for joy. I want to sing praises because You have done this for me. Finding communion with God. The old statement is, home is where the heart is. And definitely, David's heart was with God in the presence of God. He emphasized here that, that God's house, uh, the, the tabernacle or the tent and the temple of God. So many times he says, his heart is where the presence of God is. When we read the New Testament, it, to, it shows us that Jesus is what? He is, the, he is the image of the invisible God. He has come. He is the fulfillment of the tabernacle. He is the fulfillment of the temple. If our heart is in God's house, our heart is in Jesus Christ. The New Testament also says if we are saved, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Our heart is given to Christ, and Christ is inside our hearts. That's how we have communion with God, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see here that we are being concealed in His tabernacle. We are in the secret place of His tent. We are concealed in His tabernacle. If Christ is the tabernacle, we are concealed in Christ. If we are lifted up on the rock, if Jesus is the rock, we are lifted up on Christ, the solid rock. That's what it means to have communion with God, our need for Him and being in His presence and delighting in His presence, desiring His presence find communion with God thirdly find compassion with God compassion and here in verse 7 David switches he's been talking about God now he's talking directly to God there is a direct address beginning in verse 7 and he expresses how much he needs the Lord and we need the Lord if we're going to be saved in the day of, of trouble if we're going to have confidence at all in this life surrounded by adversaries and camped about us. We need the Lord, and David acknowledges that, and he prays to God, he cries out to God for compassion. In verse 7 and 8, we see a determined pursuit. It says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Be gracious to me, answer me. You said, seek my face. Pursue my presence. 
And David said, No more did you say, Seek my face. My heart said immediately right back to you, Oh Lord, my hearts, I seek your face. Your face, oh Lord, I shall seek. There's an immediate response. An, an, an obedient response. Seek my face. My heart said, Lord, I'm seeking your face. I'm pursuing your face. I'm pursuing your presence. I'm determined in this. I will not take anything less. Then we see a desperate plea, verses 9 and 10. Do not hide your face. Do not turn your servant away. You've been my help. Don't abandon me nor forsake me. The bad news is people do forsake us from time to time, do they not? If all your hope is resting in your relationships, with your loved ones or all your hope is, is resting in your relationship with even your church or, or your pastor if your hope is, is anyone else there are times we are forsaken even though I love you and even though I strive to serve you and, and, and strive to be faithful I'm a fallen man there are times I will disappoint and I don't do that on purpose but it happens there are times others disappoint you there are times others may leave you there are times when God calls people home and we are left and we feel abandoned if our hope is in anybody else but Christ we will be forsaken we will be abandoned but if your hope is in the Lord he will not forsake you he will never leave you he'll never abandon you and David's crying out here a desperate plea of God. I need you. Please don't leave me. My father and my mother, they have forsaken me. Those who I am closest to. No one loves you like your mama. But he says here, my mother and my father, they have forsaken me. But Lord, you will take me up. They've left me, but God, you will lift me up. Because my hope is in you. A desperate plea. We see then God gives a devoted protection Verse 11, teach me, O Lord. Lead me. Again, there is a humble recognition. I need God. I need to be taught. I need to have a teachable heart, a humble spirit, a moldable heart. God, teach me. Lead me because my foes, Lord, they want to drag me down. They want to destroy me. My adversary is witnessing against me, accusing me of my sin. But God, I need you to lead me in the right way. I don't want to give them any more ammunition than they already have. God, lead me in the right path. And then God gives a devoted protection to us because He loves us. We've entered into this relationship with Him. And we see David crying out in, in the recognition that there are adversaries and there are enemies and we get the sense, perhaps, that David is so desperate because the answer has not immediately come. And what we need to understand as Christians is a delayed response is not always a denied response. Think about what we read in, in the book of John, chapter 11, where Jesus' friend Lazarus is sick, and Jesus finds out that Lazarus is sick, and he loves Lazarus, and he loves his family. So what does Jesus do? He waits two days before he goes to be with Lazarus and by that time Lazarus died and Mary and Martha his sister said Lord if you had been here if you would showed up when we wanted you to be here he would not have died and Jesus said I delayed so that he would be raised from the dead and I would be given more glory as a result of his death than I would have been for his healing in the first place when Jesus delays in an answer it's because he has a greater glory in mind 
in your life. He wants to do something even more amazing in your life. So just because he's delayed does not mean your request has been denied. You will find compassion with God if you cry out to God with the same desperation that David did. Finally, you can find courage in God through this relationship with Him. It's possible to move forward in life despite the troubles that we do face. We can move forward. Verse 13 says, I would have despaired unless I had believed. Unless I had believed. There is a sense of a pre-settled conviction in David's life. I came upon these troubles and I would have despaired, but... I had already past tense believed. You see, there's something about having a pre-settled conviction in your heart before you enter the storm that makes it even more possible to endure the storm. David had already, in his mind and his heart, he already knew God was faithful. He already trusted God. He had fear, but yes, he had faith that was even greater than his fear. I would have despaired. I would have fainted. I would have passed out had it not been for the fact that I had believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, that God loves me even now. His blessings are real. A pre-settled conviction. It's a life marked by assurance. An assurance in the goodness of God. Just settled. No matter what may come, God, I believe and I trust in you. A life marked by assurance. A life marked by awareness. Verse 14, he says, Be strong and let your heart take courage. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. An awareness that God is at work around me and even in me and through me. Be strong and take courage. In Joshua, we read about the Israelites about to enter the promised land. And God tells Joshua, be strong and courageous. And as a, as a soldier in the army of God, we are called to enter into the battle, and a battle that's fierce, and an enemy that hates us, and an enemy that wants to devour us. And God says, be strong. Be strong and let your heart take courage. An awareness that God is at work and awareness that God empowers us whatever battle we might face in the physical realm in the spiritual realm we can be strong and courageous and finally it's a life marked by action by action he says wait for the Lord and he says it twice wait for the Lord yes wait for the Lord and we say how's that action if you're waiting isn't that the, the, the equal of, of inactivity? But notice this. He says, wait. It's not a, it's not a suggestion. or a It's a command. Wait. He wants you to do something. What does He want you to do? He wants you to wait. It is a sense of, of active patience. It's not just sitting there passively saying, well, I guess whatever. He says, no, wait. Wait, it's a command. Are you going to obey that or not? If you're going to obey it, it's an action. Wait for the Lord. Your, your waiting is directed towards God. You're waiting for the Lord. You, you're, you're aiming your, your, your patience at something, or better yet, at someone. 
waiting for the Lord. He is my source of salvation. He is my light. He is the one who conceals me and hides me and lifts me up. He is the one who will not forsake me. Therefore, I'm going to wait for Him. And while I'm waiting, I'm thinking of Him and I'm praising Him and I'm worshiping Him and I'm serving Him and I'm living for Him and I am not going to lose hearts. I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to dread because I'm waiting for Him. And that inspires me. That motivates me. I don't like the situation. I don't like the battle. I'd much rather be in the rest, but it's not time for that yet, church. It's not yet the season for rest. It's the season to fight. And how do we fight? We wait upon the Lord. And in the strength of His might, we put on that armor that He provides. And we are strong. and We are courageous. Therefore, if you have not yet done so, enter into a covenant relationship with God and face the struggles of your life and do so with confidence. Edward Mote was the son of pub owners in England. And against all odds, he heard the gospel and he was saved at the age of 15. He entered into, beginning in his career, a, a life of, of cabinet making. And as he began to make those cabinets and as he began to think about the Lord, he was, he was motivated by God to begin to write hymns. And one day as he was walking to work, he was so overcome with a, a, the need to write a certain hymn, he began to, to, to think of the chorus and all day long God inspired in his mind verses to go along with this chorus. Later on in his life at the age of 55, he surrendered into the ministry and became a pastor. And on one particular occasion, he was called to a church member's home as a church member's wife was, was very sick in need of counsel, in need of comfort. And Edward Mote comes and visits this church member. And while he is there, reads Scripture and for the first time in church history, sings the words to this familiar hymn, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but I wholly trust in Jesus' name. When darkness seems to hide His face, I rest on His unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. His oath, His covenant, His blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, He then is all my hope and stay. When He shall come with trumpet sound, O oh, may I then in Him be found, dressed in His righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. You see, we are in the midst of a battle, but the truth of the matter is a strong heart makes a strong arm. Whatever we are facing, whatever we are fighting, a strong heart, a heart that waits upon the Lord, a heart that draws courage and strength from God and faith and trust in Him, a strong heart will equip you in the day of the battle and give you a strong arm to fight as we are strong in the Lord.
Let us pray together. Father, indeed, our hope is built on nothing less than in Jesus. The blood He shed on the cross for our sins and the righteousness of His life that He shelters us with. We come to Him by faith in the midst of the tornado and the storms of life in the midst of, of the day of judgment. We find no other refuge than in Christ alone. And Father, You have called us in a, a compassionate in a loving way, you have called us to Christ. You have called us to you in communion with you and to find courage and confidence. And Lord, it is up to us to respond. Even though we may not feel worthy, we are not worthy. None of us are worthy. But you tell us, come. And Lord, by faith, that's what we do. We come and we abide because we need you. Lord, maybe someone here today has never given their life to Christ Jesus. Maybe someone here today has the fear and the dread of the day of trouble because judgment's coming. Lord, lay it upon their heart today to flee, flee to Christ, to be strong in Christ and to have hope in Him. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' blessed name. Amen. We'll ask everyone to sting, uh, stand and sing as our Come As You Are is the song.